everyone. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the third episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Yeah. I'm Anthony. I'm Sydney. And today we are here to discuss Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. And this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. I'm very excited about these projects. Me too. When we were making the Envelope of Chaos, yeah. we both looked at each other. And I think this was the only thing or one of the only things that both of us were like, I feel deep shame that I don't know this. And I have been lying to people actively for my entire adolescence and adulthood. Simultaneously, we were like, spinal tap. Yeah. Like, we are liars. Yeah. Because we are... I reference it all the time. Yeah. You know how many times I say this X goes to 11? All the time. And 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 it's honestly, it really works on people. Like, yeah, people think it's so cute that I do that. Yeah. And I, I do think it I'm all the time. so funny and original and tuned in. Yeah. Like it makes me seem so savvy and tasteful. It's just it's just a great joke to yeah. just like plop in somewhere. You can't overdo it. I I'm giving this to all of you. Don't do it too like winky winky. Do it like like you don't want anyone to notice. Like really throw it away. Yeah. And like people will eat it up. Yeah, like you could even just like change it and just be like, yeah, crank that shit to eleven. Yeah. People love it. Yeah, and then if anyone questions, you'd be like, well, I know that mine goes to 11. And Mm -hmm. like some people will be like, what are you talking about? And somebody's going to be like, oh, like because they there's going to be somebody else in the room that is doing what we're doing and lying Mm -hmm. about it that like really wants to show you that they know what you're doing. Yeah. And then you guys can be liars together and everybody else can be a schmuck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I guess we're starting with Spinal Tap. I guess so. (laughs) So what do you think it's going to be? Because we've both seen other Christopher Guest movies. Yeah, I actually feel like I have a pretty good idea what it's going to be. Yeah. I just feel embarrassed that I haven't like sat down and watched all the scenes in, in order. Yeah. But I think there's obviously uh, my M's go to 11. I know that their drummers keep exploding. Yeah. And I've seen other like Best in Show and what's the other one? Waiting for Guffman. Yes. And I, so like I know what those feel like. I think Spinal Tap is a hilarious name for a rock band. Yeah, like that's. Absolutely. It's, I think it's already. It's a great joke. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna have a great time, and I think I pretty much know what to expect. What are you? Where are you? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have fun. My one concern is that so often when people are like, "Oh, you have to see this," or this happens a lot more with books than movies, because sometimes I'm a pretty easy laugh when it comes to movies. Sure. But when people are like, "This is the funniest book that's ever been written," yeah, I don't find it funny. I don't think there are funny books. I think there are ones that I'm like, oh, I I get it. When they're like real goofy, like Red Shirts by John Scalzi is actually a pretty funny book. But like, okay, I I feel like if you ask me for a funny book, I would say either Shrill or whatever Tina Fey's book. Bossy Pants. But even those, I'm realizing it's like, it's better on audio. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a funny book, but it's a funnier. Anyway, this is not. Yeah, but but my concern is that sometimes when people are like, oh, this is the funniest version of this thing. Right, like, right, oh, right. Oh, this is the best comedy that's ever been made. I often come away being like, I mean, I liked it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, didn't not like it. No, I know what you mean. There's a there's a risk of overhype, but I just feel like I, I know what Christopher Guest is up to, and I don't think that I'm going to overestimate that. Yeah, like, I know I like Best in Show. Best in Show is a very funny movie. Yeah, and I do, I'm pretty sure, I don't think Final Tap is going to be as funny as Best in Show. I'm pretty, I think Best in Show is the best one. Okay. 
I, I think I think it's going to be a really fun time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm expecting to have a lot of fun. Okay, what do we think about Public Enemy? I, I honestly have no idea. I have so little exposure. So, so one of my favorite classes in college was a hip hop as literature class. Okay. And the professor, I think, did a really good job of exposing me to a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Like we did, you know, Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G. We did, I think, All Eyes on Me by Tupac and a bunch of other things. But one of the ones that I, I don't know if we were supposed to do it and I just didn't listen to this album or like it just wasn't in the syllabus, but we never covered Public Enemy. Even though Public Enemy is considered to be like one of the most influential hip hop groups of the late 80s and early 90s. And one of their albums, like their first four albums are all considered great. And one of them is considered one of the best albums by any of anything ever made. Yeah, I remember seeing an infographic at some point of like what rappers are Mm -hmm. more lyrically sophisticated Mm -hmm. sophisticated is a loaded word but oh it's our word but like if you take all the words they use how many rappers use more words total than Shakespeare like they have a lot of rappers on the graph and then they have like Shakespeare and like a few other like great writers in literature and it's like surprising how many of the rappers fall far ahead of Mm -hmm. or you know surprising whatever like challenge your biases So I don't remember where Public Enemy was exactly on that infographic. I remember that Tupac, despite being hailed as like a poet, and I think he, and I I do respect him as a poet, was not super high. So I don't know. It's maybe not the most valuable metric. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. I just expect, (laughs) I think that Public Enemy was probably pretty high on it. I don't know for sure. I'll look it up for the second half of this. Yeah. I think we should also, before we get too deep into what we think it's going to be, we should say, for those of you who don't know Public enemy public enemy is the reason flavor flav is famous sure yeah the the main i guess i do know that yeah the main lyricist of public enemy is chuck d but the other guy in public enemy is flavor flav yeah If you have ever seen him on television and been like, who is this guy and where did he come from? Public Enemy is where he comes from. Yeah, I have seen him on television and I honestly never questioned it. (laughs) I was like, yeah, this is what TV is now. I'd much rather watch this than The Bachelor. Yeah, I mean, I would also rather watch Flavor of Love than The Bachelor. (laughs) Two great seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Led to Tila Tequila. And Miss New York. Yeah. I I think that I'm going to struggle... I think that I'm going to struggle just because I struggle with whole albums of rap. And I know this about myself. I enjoy a rap song. I think it's a really rich mode to be working in. But I've been trying to listen to all of Megan Thee Stallion's albums all the way through. And it's like, I really like her. Like, I know that I love her and everything she has to say to me. And it's still like, I don't know. It's a lot of rap all in a row. (laughs) It's just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot it's all tough. in a row. I, I think it's like because, well, I, I don't know why it is. I guess it's like I want to be paying very close attention. Part of the point is listening to exactly what's being said. And it's just hard to sustain that level of attention paying. And then if you don't, you're just like not listening to as much because a lot of the point of it is lyrical cleverness. Mm-hmm. This might be a little bit more accessible for you then because I think this is comes from a time in hip-hop, from my understanding of it, this comes from a time in hip-hop in which lyrical density wasn't to the level that it is today. And like, my understanding of Public Enemy is they have a really clear point of view. They're very much like a political hip-hop group Mm -hmm. in a way that like not a lot of people were at the time. Sure. 
So I think they are more sophisticated than a lot of what was being done in the late 80s and early 90s, like the pre-Tupac Biggie time. Like by the time we were in our 20s, it had gotten to the point where like speed rapping was a thing that a lot of people were doing. Like yeah. Eminem's rap like god most. wasn't gonna happen right. in the early 90s because it wasn't important for someone to just like cram as much into six minutes as they could. Yeah. That just wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't know how well it's going to age. That's my thing is like. Yeah, I'm expecting some misogyny. Yeah, I think so. I think some of the politics are going to be challenging, particularly in the first couple albums, because I know that Chuck D had a time. I don't know if this is still how he feels, but he had a time in black nationalist politics and not all. But some black nationalist politics tends to be anti-Semitic. Sure. And that, as a Jewish person, is probably going to be hard for yeah. me to enjoy. But we will see. We yeah. will see. I feel like that is less likely to come up frequently than how they both feel about women they fuck. Oh, almost certainly. <laughs> almost certainly. This is a less common topic. <laughs> sure, yes. For rap. Generally. Yes. Thankfully, hip hop I mean, tends like, to shy away from lizard people conspiracies and the worldwide Jewish cabal. Yeah. <laughs> like all music is sexist and, you know, things people instigate. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you get, things get called out disproportionately for the, the you know, like mm-hmm. if you're a woman doing the race problem, you're going to get called out more than the man. If you're the black people doing the gender problem, you're going to get yeah. called out more than the, you know. So mm-hmm. I get that and I don't want to, but I think it's probably going to be a little like, meh. But, you know, I'm I, I'm like, I'm moving into this comfortably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess at this point, we'll see. So yeah. we'll pause. And when we come back, it will be the future for us and only vaguely the future for you. Yeah. And we'll see what we think. Yeah. Time is a flat, flat circle. circle. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to the future. Yeah, we learned. We learned. We We listened and and we learned. learned. Yeah. Okay, we're starting with Public Enemy, right? Yeah. Okay, so. um, Count us in. What did we get? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, on three. What did we think? One, two, three. Complicated. for me. Sure. (laughs) Sure. So my approach, because I I thought this might be a challenging one for me, I was like, I'm going to pick an album because it's my theory about my ears that if I just am willing to dislike something for a while, but stay focused on it and just like keep listening to it, Mm -hmm. I will eventually start liking it because it will become familiar to me and I will internalize it. Then I'll be like, now this is something that I like. And I have met the threshold <laughs> mm-hmm. with the with Public Enemy, and it's not I didn't hate it, but I I never came to like it. And because I I started with one album that's very highly acclaimed, and because I never I never came to feel connected to that album, I did not move on from that album. I just kept listening to it. I do feel like I did a pretty thorough job, mm-hmm. and I didn't hate it. Anthony knows that I found it oddly soporific yeah i i kept falling asleep to it yeah and it i just think, lulled me like a lullaby 
And I think we've talked about this off mic, and I just want to share it on mic that for those of you who may not have listened to our first episode, we both have ADHD. <laughs> and something you may not know about people with ADHD is that often there are things that most people find very stimulating that will just put you right to sleep. Yeah. If you have ADHD. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It and just for you, like, it's early 90s hip hop. Yeah. Just just rocked me mm-hmm. like a like a gliding chair. Because you had the same reaction with Tupac a few years ago, right? Yeah, not as much, but I knew to I knew to look out for it because of my the time that I chose to educate myself on Tupac. Yeah, well, so how, how did you find how did you find Public Enemy? So I I feel complicated about it. Yeah, because one of the things that I said was I was worried because I knew that Public Enemy was kind of the forerunner of socially conscious hip hop, and having listened to a bunch of it, I now know what that means yeah but I was concerned because I know that their particular strain of politically conscious hip-hop has a lot to do with Louis Farrakhan who I don't like because he is a virulent anti-semite sure I don't actually know who that is Louis Farrakhan runs the nation of Islam okay they name drop Farrakhan and his predecessor Elijah Muhammad three times in It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. They use clips of him mm-hmm. and, you know, they talk about how he's a follower of Farrakhan. Farrakhan's a prophet, he being Chuck D. Mm-hmm. And the more I listened to it, the more uncomfortable with that idea I got. But I also recognize that, like, I can see the daylight between Chuck D yeah. and the actual nation of Islam. Like, he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has said a lot of things in his music that do not fit with Farrakhan because Chuck D is also a revolutionary communist. And also, like I, I was honestly pretty into. Okay, so now that I've now that I've set everybody's expectations, I'll tell you some stuff that I did really like. I didn't dislike. I just like did musically. I was like, I can't. This isn't. I'm never gonna like feel like this is my jams. Sure. But I was actually pretty into the politics of it. Like. The- yeah, <laughs> like all the stuff that they were like, here's a song about the American prison system and how fucked up it is. Yeah, I was like, yeah, songs, man. A few songs about that and like prison is slavery. And I, I know that, I mean, obviously we were having pretty different lived experiences, but like that was not an idea that I was introduced to until like later in yeah. the 90s or the oddies. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like the sort of philosophical, the philosophy <laughs> of like, Let's know ourselves first. Part of what was taken from us Mm -hmm. is an understanding of ourselves. And that is a place that we should start in order to change the circumstances around us. The idea that the American government, that like the FBI is holding political prisoners. Like, I don't know. Yeah, There's just like, like a lot of radical stuff that's like, yeah. Yeah, a lot <laughs> let, of the, Let people know about that. Like, yeah, and to their credit, as often as they talk about, you know, Farrakhan, they also talk about like Huey P. Newton and the Black Panther Party. And it's, it's like very pro-Black. Yeah. In a way that I found often like really exciting and energizing. It yeah. was like, yeah, man. They talk, they talk about South Africa a lot too. Yeah. Sort of like just, I was going to say like parallel struggles, but they were in, they're pretty different situations yeah. in that year. But like also, I don't know, like the global perspective, I guess is really all I'm trying to say. Yeah. They're, they're, they were thinking about blackness globally yeah. and politically. And that is kind of cool. Also, I think they're a great illustration of what a good idea it is. <laughs> a good, like a good dynamic is to have just like one really focused virtuoso and then one wild card. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That's a great way to set up a buddy comedy. It's a good, like mm-hmm. any duo, like any, anytime you're like, how can I, how can I instantly make this pair of people more compelling and dynamic? Just make one of them like really serious and great at what he does and make the other one like pretty, uh, wacky, yes. un- unpredictable yes, and, uh, weird. Yes. So that was really working for me. Yeah, I I should say when you asked me what I thought, I didn't say a single word about what I actually thought of their music. And I will say I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun listening to them. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have more fun than I did. I mean, I'm also, this is a problem with me, and but this is also why this is a good podcast for me, is that it's like, I don't have enough respect for like the shit that came before. Like I went to theater school and everybody was like, check off, check off, check off. And I was like, why? And then like through four years of constant badgering, I came to understand how important Chekhov's contributions are to our modern understanding of what is a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is good theater? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I like watching Chekhov plays. They they want all my instructors in that place. And many of my fellow students wanted it to come to mean that. The more I was like, oh, I see how important this is. Then they were like, okay, so the next step is now you love this play and want to go see the seagull and it's like no no i don't thank you for changing it it's better now i don't need to visit every stop on the train that got us here but i know that that's you know annoying yeah well i mean (laughs) it's a little like i i am the kids today that like just don't that don't care enough yeah but like that's how i feel for me it was like i'm talking about public enemy again now it felt like vitamins like i was happy to like know this step along the journey but i wasn't like oh man i'm so mad that i missed this chapter of rap like i'm yeah. happy to have come in where we are yeah and honestly it's it's interesting because it's a kind of hip-hop that doesn't i mean it does exist there are still hip-hop groups out there but the like Multiple MCs with a DJ thing is like such an artifact of the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. That just like doesn't, it's certainly not the primary mode of the genre anymore. Fucking um, Macklemore had that guy. (laughs) Yeah. What was his name? Like Ryan Lewis? I don't know. Yes, Ryan Lewis. And I actually think that I didn't love Macklemore, but I think that everything that I did like about Macklemore was actually Ryan Lewis. Yeah. I got to give Terminator X, the uh, DJ for for Public Enemy a lot of credit. Yeah. Apparently, Nation of Millions, the album that both of us listened to, was one of the first albums to use the record scratch. I think it was like the third one. Yeah, there's also, there's a that like skipping effect on one of them. Oh yeah, Terminator X to the Edge of Panic. Yeah, 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 yeah. where it's just like the skipping effect. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That was exciting to me because that is a technique that I did not know was being played with at that time. Oh, I promised I would look you up that infographic about word how many words yeah public enemy actually falls like pretty well within the like bell curve of the era but they were counted as a a 90s group so Mm. i'm gonna say for the 80s they were probably pretty dense doing a little more complexity yeah than most of the people around them and just as a fun tidbit the way that these things cluster the information is arranged a few different ways in the article but rap got the most intensely it had the most intense vocabulary in the 2000s and in the 2010s it drops way off and gets like much simpler yeah and i just think that's really interesting yeah like if you want to know like who's using the most words 
you want to look in the 2000s. Yeah, like early Kanye West era. Yeah, but not not Kanye not him. West. But like in the like 2004 to like 2010. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There were a couple that were like well ahead of the pack. I think that's when Eminem did Rap God. That might have been a couple years after. But that's Eminem's just like, like towards the side, towards the complex side of the curve. But he's not out of the. I want to say Tribe Called Quest was pretty far out there. The individual members of the Wu-Tang Clan also mm-hmm. did really well. Aesop, who do I mean? Aesop Rocky? Rocky? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I think is pretty far out there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Public Enemy is, is in the bubble. Okay, by far my favorite track on the album is the one that is the story of a prison break. Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos. Yes. There's a very clear narrative tale that I like instantly invested in. I like that he is he is in prison for draft dodging yeah. inside the story. I think that's very cool. He's like and his reasons are like, no, I will not go to war as a black man. I will not go to war for this nation that's never given a fuck about me. Yeah. That feels like a radical thing to say now. Yeah. Like, I wish, I grew up with parents who were, you know, like, really were traumatized by the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and were very, like, anti-wars and all of that. And I just feel like somehow the American military has, like, won back the American imagination so well. Like, people really think that it's, like, a great idea and, like, really honorable. Yeah. Well, it has a lot to do with movies like Top Gun, apparently. Yeah, all, all of that. So, but that's that's a whole other conversation. We yeah. Can get well, into. What I, whatever they did, whatever whatever PR the military has been doing since Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. It, it has worked. Yeah. Well, I despite, mean, they have a huge advertising budget. Despite several more disastrous wars. Yeah. Unwinnable conflicts. <laughs> yes. They keep doing that, and yet opinion seems to have gone up. And I, I I would love to hear. I mean, I don't really have my ear to the ground on like political rap, so like maybe it is out there. But I I would love to I would love to hear some some current artists being like fuck them for asking you that. Like draft or no. Like fuck them for asking. Yeah. For making that like 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 just joining the military like a, a financial for putting people in a situation where like where where that's the best option. Yeah. And they're and it's just like, oh I'm I need money, so I will do this like it's any other job. Right. Like that's no, we should all be we should all be angry about that. We should be angry that anyone is joining the military that hasn't a hundred percent thought it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like chosen that like with their eyes wide open for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I like that when they do get into political issues that they talk about, it's not just like, oh, America's racist. It's like, yes, they are. They're like, no, no, no. John Wayne is a racist. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, public enemy. Yeah, it's like, Thank oh, hey, all of you white supremacists love Elvis. We fucking see you. We see you loving Elvis, white supremacists. Yeah. Like, all of that. I really, really like that. And I gotta say, the sampling that they do is incredible. Yeah. It's like really next yeah, level. Yeah, the production is very tight. Yeah. And what's what I found interesting was the last song on the A side of the track, that's all about sampling. I realized that that was coming from an era where there was an argument that there should be no sampling in hip hop, that you should just like make all your beats yourself. You shouldn't yeah. be stealing ideas from other people. Yeah. 
And then I don't know if this actually was the album that put that debate to bed, but it feels like if it wasn't, it should have been. Because sure. it was like in the first 30 seconds of this song, we have 10 different samples. We are not just taking someone's beat and rapping over it. Yeah. We are slamming everything together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that if you don't have someone like Public Enemy coming along and showing what you can do with sampling, you don't get someone like Kanye West 15 years later. Right, absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point. I think we should talk about She Watched Channel Zero. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So in so, the middle of this excellent album, there's this bullshit yeah, song. I Okay, I will say I was prepared for, as you were prepared for political messaging you weren't comfortable with, I thought there was going to be more misogyny than there was. And the truth is that they are much more focused on their status as musicians and their political message. And so it just doesn't come up that much. And I, and I was glad. Yeah. But there is one track. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And it's such a shame we, both of us were saddened that it is the like metal fusion track. Yeah, that that sample is it has, tasty. It is yes, so good. And I wanted more. And it, I was like, is there more? I would love to know if there's more like hip hop metal fusion. How do I find the version of that that is what I want? Because this song is not it. Yeah. I will say on one of their later albums, that song Bring the Noise. Yeah. They do it again, but they're just like, what if we did it with a with a metal track okay. instead of like just a, a beat? Yeah, maybe I'll maybe and I'll, it, it's it's pretty. Maybe good. I'll look that up. But just so you guys don't have to listen to it, the theme of the song is that women watch trash. are yeah are not effective activists because the quality of the television that they watch is not as good as the quality of the television that men watch. Yes, and the the television that is held up as an example of this is what I want to watch, this is what is important to watch, is it's a Mike Tyson, Tyson fight, fight. <laughs> and the Super Bowl. Yeah. With a black quarterback. They, yeah. They're very specific. Yeah, which is like, yeah, okay, so sports idols, can that can be important, but like it has some failures of logic that I do not notice so egregiously in any of their other tracks that are, it's like, stop watching so much TV because TV rots your brain. And also because I want to watch the thing that I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, which, which is it? Yeah. And <laughs> it I, can't, it shouldn't be both. And I will say on some of their later albums that I listened to, they transitioned to, they shit on video games a lot. Oh, like a interesting. lot. Yeah, in their like mid to late aughts albums. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do seem there's a, a concern with what nurtures, what feeds the mind and what saps the mind. Yeah. They say, Flavor Flav says some funny, there's like one thing that he shouts at some point. He's like, I'm trying to like shove this through your clogged little brain pores or something. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. I don't remember what it is, but there's, it, there's, 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 there's a weird Flavor Flavism. Yeah, yeah. I find it charming when they speak to me that way but also the the tv thing with the gender stuff was just like too that was really too much for me yeah and no, no one would think it was a fair criticism now i just want to call them out for it no i, I think it's fair and i would hazard a guess that the 60 year old version of them probably wouldn't record that song but i don't know because i don't know them yeah <laughs> you don't <laughs> I, I don't i've never met them i know we're from long island so we should know each other that's the other thing i want to just call out long island because oh, yeah, go for it <laughs> when you are when you grow up on long island like i did you are basically told we have one band and one singer and that is billy joel Actually, two <laughs> if you count Twisted Sister. Okay. And no one talks about Public Enemy. And I'm like, you're going to force feed me Twisted Sister, which has one song. Yeah. And not talk about Public Enemy, so who has been- It's a solid song, though. It is a solid song. 
But like Public Enemy has more than one song. Yeah. And they've been around for 35 years. Like they're so important. Yeah. And at least white people on Long Island don't talk about them. Yeah. I'm sure black people do. I'm sure they do. Okay. I do want to talk really quickly about Flava Flav's coinages. Yes. Because <laughs> that is also one of my favorite features of this music as you drew my attention to Cold Medina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is just something Flavor Flav shouts a lot. On the album. And and on no other albums. Uh, yeah. I, he he it, really, he lets it go. So I would, I would like to ask if you know, okay, there's a TikTok trend right now of white people not knowing black people isms and that resulting in comedy. And I feel like I might be about to do that. But do you know what it means to be cold lamping? No. Neither do I. <laughs> and <they're laughs> and I, and it could very well be like a, an embarrassing, like that could be really embarrassing for me or it could be nothing. It yeah. could just be something Flava Flav said. And I like that I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> there is a, right before, literally the moment before I hit record, we sat down in the chairs and you just started going, cold lamping, cold, cold lamping, cold lamping, cold <laughs> lamping, I'm lamping. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, what What is he doing when he's lamping? Maybe. Maybe every black person knows instinctively, like maybe it is a, a part of vernacular that is just like endemic. And maybe and it's maybe not. it's not. Yes. And I and I good for him, man. Good for him for just saying whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. I, I found him very charming. I yeah. found them both charming. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I just couldn't stop sleeping. Yeah. So so here's the question. Yeah. I feel like we've both given a pretty nuanced view on public enemy. Yeah. Is it canon? Okay. So, okay, I don't know. This is why I am not sure that this is even the question that we should be asking. Of course it's canon because we are we are picking things because they're canon. They're canon when we choose to do them. Who are we then to speak on? Because if I look at my checklist, mm -hmm. like I didn't really enjoy it. Sure. <laughs> Probably won't return to it. I hear its influence in things that I like now. And I know, okay, so overall, I would say I feel very similarly about Public Enemy as I did about Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. What Happened to Baby Jane? What Happened to Baby Jane? And yet my inclination now is to say no because I don't feel like I really needed it. But I know in my smart mind that the only difference between those two things is that the the echoes of what happened to Baby Jane are in queer culture, which I am a part of, and the echoes of Public Enemy are in black culture, which I am not. So it doesn't feel fair for me to say, it. it is, and it's not even that old. Like, it's really, like, one time I said to my dad, Gugu Kaju, and he said to me, oh, you have no idea. Like, what? I, <laughs> I was just like riffing and I was like, you know, I'm the Eggman, Gugu Kaju, and he was like, man, you have no idea. And I have really taken that with me because I don't have any idea because I wasn't there. And I feel like for someone's dad, Public Enemy is still that music that was changing everything. Yeah. That like the world was changing around. That was the music that was on while the world was changing. Yeah. And I don't feel like I get to say... I don't really like it. <laughs> sure. And it's, it's like Chinatown. The only thing that we haven't put the canon so far is Chinatown. And that feels easy because it's punching up, you know? Yeah. But it's like the truth is it probably should be in the canon. We're just like being bratty about We're just like thumbing our noses at it a little bit. And I'm not going to do that to anything that's not like definitely straight cis white people shit. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I guess it's. I guess I feel like yeah, it's canon. Yeah, yeah, it's canon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my answer. Yeah, I take your point that the question is it canon is misleading because we're not trying to create an objective pronouncement on like is this worthwhile or yeah, not? Because I mean, it obviously, obviously Public Enemy is worthwhile. Yeah. Like it, it has so much societal value. I guess I feel like if we're, if we're asking listeners to even accept the premise that canon exists for this podcast to start happening, mm-hmm. we're asking them to take a little bit of a soft focus and not examine too hard how canon gets to be canon. Yeah. And then at the end, we're like, well, how it gets to be canon is just the two of us. I I get that we want to like, once we've done the thing, we want to like button it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like maybe we need like, it's like the canon is where we go to get things. And then there's some other location that has to do with us where we put things or don't. Yes. And I feel like it's shorthand for me. It's shorthand for like you, the listener, Are we telling you that based on our experience, we think this is something you should actually engage with so that you can talk to the person at the party you've been faking your way through? Or can you just continue to fake it? Yes. And this, and this, I think you can continue to fake. I feel like I could have, and I will from now on. And I feel like it's not, and I, I feel like if there ever is a person that I like lose some face with for not really knowing about public enemy, I just, I think it's going to be okay. Cause I think they're going to be like, well, white people. Like, mm-hmm. I would like to try to stay up to date moving forwards. Mm-hmm. But, like, how thoroughly do I need to go backwards? Like, I think it's a little bit I can follow my my own bliss. There's just too much. Mm-hmm. There's too much we have to, of, of everything. Not yeah. just white people re-education stuff. There's too much of everything. And we have to do some some amount of editing just for our own tastes. Yeah. So my feeling of should you go back and experience it, it sounds like you're saying you don't have to. I'm going to say a little bit more nuanced since we're kind of allowing ourselves to say more than just a yes or a no. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I'm Yes, I, I think I've opened that door. <laughs> yes. I think you've more kicked it open and then taken the hinges off. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You know, we're, we're experimenting on this form together yeah. as we go. I think I'm going to say if you are at all interested in hip hop as a genre, Or also if you are interested in political expression through music. Yes. Required listening. And doing that. And and when is that effective? Like the... Required listening. Because there's... That can be done very poorly. Agreed. Yes. Um, It can be really ham-handed. And I feel like at their best, Public Enemy has such a clear point of view. Yes. That that they really don't want to be I am easily bothered by preachiness and sanctity. Yes, they're not sanctimonious. Um, Not at all. And while I did not thrive listening to this, that was never the reason. Like I, that was not among my complaints at all. I was never like, put your politics down, public enemy. Stop spoon feeding me this shit. I always felt like they were like landing solid points, often in a way that was like more fun than it needed to be. Yeah. No, I have a lot of positive things to say about them. I just like don't. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not interested in those things, I don't think you're going to get anything out of Public Enemy. So it's like very, I was literally laying on that couch over there all day just being like, is Public Enemy canon? (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah. I don't know. And I would like feel like I came to a conclusion and then I would go the other way and then I would be like, okay, I guess not. It's a and tough then one. Yeah. And I, but I, that's what I'm saying is I think maybe we should continue to ponder whether is it canon is the right question to end with. I understand it creates a nice mirror, but what what else? If we're pulling from the canon, what, what bucket are we putting into? Maybe we can find an, something that feels just as good to say that makes more sense for us to be acting as an authority over. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Now that we did all that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, take a quick pause. And when we come back, we'll talk about Spinal Tap. Sure. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Okay. okay. We thought about it for 45 seconds. Yeah. And what we have right now is, <laughs> is it in our curriculum? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it on the syllabus? I don't know. I'm still kicking both of those around. We're going to go. I'm going to listen to Tom Waits on the train. We'll, we'll see how these things sit with us. But that's what we're going to try for the other thing we did this week, which is... Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. Which, want to count us in on it? Okay. One, two, three. So much fun. Yeah! Oh, okay. I'm surprised you were that lukewarm on it. It's like, I don't know. I think it's just because I like knew. I, I was right that I knew what it was. And it was not as good as Best in Show. And it was fun. Like, yeah. it was funny. There were definitely some like important takeaways from it. I will say I like them. I did like the music in it. I was like, the, these are legit. There were some great these are moments. legit songs. Working on a sex farm. Yeah, um, what was the one that I liked that was like Big Bottoms or something? It was like obviously yeah. a queen yeah. joke. I think it was literally just Big Bottoms. Big Bottoms. I like that. I like that trashy rock scene, man. And I felt, but I just felt like Christopher Guest has gotten more, I feel like it was a really good idea and like it's pretty well executed, but he, I feel like he learned a lot mm -hmm. that bears out in the other films. There, there were scenes where just like things happen that need to happen. Not every scene is like there to create a moment for someone to shine comedically. And that is the way that Bess and Show and to some extent Waiting for Guffman are constructed. It's like the, we're only pointing the cameras if there's an opportunity for like greatness to happen. And there are some scenes like that in yeah. Spinal Tap, but it's just not T to B like it is in some of the other ones. Yeah. What I liked about it was they just said some things that just, even though I wasn't like dying with laughter while I was watching it because that was my big concern is I was like is it actually going to be funny to me yeah it's pretty funny it's, pre it's pretty funny a lot of the things that they do that are funny are things that they basically just throw away yeah. or are things that are in the background like yeah. an hour in I looked at you and I was like is Christopher Guest smoking and chewing gum and yeah. you were like yeah the whole movie constantly in most of the scenes yes yeah. and I was like <laughs> that's a really funny detail yeah like a lot of their like dumb t-shirts the whole business with the album cover like does a good job also there's there's some jokes about like what is in their rider yes that i have to imagine now i feel like rider jokes are a it's been explored everybody knows that rock stars get things in their dressing rooms and everybody knows that mm -hmm. they have to be certain things and that that means things but i think perhaps when this film came out it was less well known and so them like fussing over the meat platter is like them being like spoiled and helpless like yeah it's fun to watch there's like a like a Yoko Ono kind of like the woman tears the band apart. I don't know. There just like was some stuff that I was like, this was not this could have been a funnier choice. Yeah. What I liked about it was I've sat through a couple of concert films and like rock documentaries <laughs> sure. in my yeah. time. Like real ones. Real ones. Yeah. And always found them incredibly boring. And I keep like meaning to do the 
Katy Perry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I feel like there's, moving. and I am not talking about Lady Gaga five foot two. Oh, I'm, obviously not. I'm talking about That's like a different, a different thing. Yeah, I'm talking about like the song remains the same, the Led Zeppelin concert okay, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. It, they treat these people as like gods, and these people are just like scramble brain yeah. little burnouts. Yeah, and it's just so ridiculous and everything that they say is so ridiculous like there is a point where christopher guest is playing the guitar with a violin yes that is straight up a bit from the song remains the same where jimmy page was playing the guitar with a cello bow and then it cuts to him in an interview and he was like yeah i just one of my friend's dads is a cello player and he was like do you ever play a guitar with a cello bow and i was like gotta try that now and it's like okay okay yeah. man like like what no that yeah that was a that was a great bit a lot of their stage bits were really great when I they think, say he uh, mozart is a big influence and then in the next scene he just straight up plays mozart on the guitar oh i didn't even catch that i don't know mozart well enough he just starts going oh sure yeah 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 it's very um yeah yeah i mean just being like yeah mozart is a big influence like it's funny they're funny they're funny people like just watching them bumble around is funny i think if somebody tries to make you watch this if somebody is like hey thanks for coming to my netflix and chill do you want to watch spinal tap i don't think you should fight them yeah. Also, it's only an hour and 20, so you yeah, can get like to the chill quick. part pretty quick. But if if you right now are deciding what to watch, I think you should just watch Best in Show. That, that's yeah. my advice on this. And it, and as far as like cultural fluency, I think wa- just go Google the scene where he's showing where the, where he's showing the different guitars that he has and the amps and the amps. And that's the one that's that's the scene. That's the important scene that we referenced in the before chapter of this. Yeah. I feel like we talked about public enemy for so long and I want to give spinal tap its due, but I also feel like maybe we should I don't have that much more to say, I don't think. We spent I feel like just hours wise, I feel like I spent at least eight hours with public enemy. And oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's proportionate to the effort that we put in. Yeah, like yeah. we watched this movie once. And I think it's also proportionate to the effort that they put in. <laughs> They apparently recorded 12 hours of footage and only used an hour and 20, which shows, I think, amazing restraint. Yes. I appreciate that Christopher Guest was like, we're just going to use the best hour and 20. Yeah. I do want to talk about my favorite throwaway line of the movie, which is actually not from any of the famous scenes. It's from when Christopher Guest quits the band and Michael McKean is just sitting there trying to be like, oh, yeah, he's just a guy, whatever. Like, musicians don't work together. People people quit the band all the time. Yeah, people quit the band all the time. And Rob Reiner is like, I can't believe that this guy who you've known for 30 years, you're just being so cavalier about this. And he just goes, well, that's because I'm under heavy sedation. But like, yeah, whatever, (laughs) man. It's just not a big deal. It's just like, the fuck? My favorite throwaway line was, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the accent just for fun. Yeah, well, it's a fine line, isn't it, between stupid and and clever, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, part of the reason I think it's comedically successful is that I don't think that he knew what he was going to say when he started speaking, which is part of his gift. So maybe he totally did and he just is doing his trick. But the idea of like, there's a fine line between stupid and something and what is it? And we're fishing and stupid and and what is it that stupid is so close to that's different from stupid, but it's confused. It's so easy to confuse for stupid. Oh, clever. Yeah. And like (laughs) so close. It's so close by. And it's like, it's true. It's the truth of it. Yes. (laughs) It could be the tagline of the movie. Yeah. It could be the tagline of, like, my life. 
my champagne odyssey. There's a fine line between stupid and clever. Yes. I would. Okay. No, honestly, if I were honestly making it my like after the colon part of my champagne odyssey, I would make it. There's a fine line between clever and stupid, Mm. which is not as funny, but illustrates my problem more. So that I'm going around trying to be clever and the, the people don't realize that the distance from that to being really stupid is so close. And so then when I do stupid stuff, they're like, how? But you're clever. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) They look the same (laughs) on the shelf. (laughs) They really do. They really do. They made them that way on purpose. Yeah. So, okay. Are we we ready to address whether this is... On the syllabus? Yes. In the curriculum? Yeah. I think it's on the syllabus. I say on my syllabus... For my school, uh, Sydney's school of life, my amps go to 11 is on the syllabus, like as a five minute sketch, that Mm -hmm. scene. And the rest is like optional reading. Yes. Like, oh, you missed a day of something else. Like maybe watch the rest of this movie. Like Mm -hmm. it's around for you if you want, but it's all the good stuff (laughs) is in my amps go to 11. Yeah. And no, do you feel like, like, don't disregard this movie, but you also don't need to, like, run out and see it right now? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And if you're looking for, like, just a barrel of ha-has, Best in Show. Yeah. Just go watch Best in Show, even if you've seen it before. Yeah, but if <laughs> you watch... It's going to be funny again, the busy bee. Yeah, but if you watch Best in Show and you're like, what else has this guy done? He's done Spinal Tap, and it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, go watch it. I feel like you would be hard-pressed to leave disappointed. Yeah, or, like, annoyed. Yeah, it's an hour and 20 minutes. You barely have time to get annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If somebody pitches it to you, just be like, yeah, today's the day. Yeah. So, okay. There we have it. There's Spinal Tap. Yeah. There, there was is, Spinal yes. Tap. <laughs> that that was That was That spinal was Spinal Tap. tap. <laughs> yeah. Um although I just one coda, if you will, sure. music joke. Yes. I noticed when you pulled up on Spotify that Spinal Tap released a, like a an actual album for this movie. Yes. And then released another album in 92, Lonely Island style. Yeah. And I just want to highlight that I believe the title of it is Break Like the Wind, which I think is so good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and with that, I guess <laughs> I guess that's the podcast. Good night and good luck. Yeah, indeed. Goodbye.